hey, it's me, the snowman that you're currently building. I know you're probably trying to figure out what the best accessories to put on me are, whether it's a top hat or a button nose or two eyes made out of coal, but what actually is the best accessory for me is to put some headphones in my ear and turn on an episode of this podcast. Before continuing my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. If you didn't catch it in last week's intro, we have something going on right now with Potterless to raise money for charity. It is called the Raffold Prince. We are raising money for three wonderful organizations and raffling off prizes, and by donating, you enter yourself in the running to win some cool prizes. If you want to learn more about how it all works, head on over to potterlesspodcast.com slash raffledprince, spelled normally raffledprince. But what I wanted to do right now is talk a little bit more in depth about the three organizations that we are supporting. First, we have Healthcare for the Homeless Houston. What they do is provide care exclusively for individuals who are homeless or at high risk of becoming homeless. Their purpose is to be a primary care for those experiencing homelessness, and they aim to improve health and help individuals move beyond homelessness. They do this with a holistic approach by providing integrated services, including medical care, mental health services, addiction counseling, case management, and dental care. And all of this care is specialized first and foremost for the most pressing needs of the homeless, but also they have specific programming for women and children, for example. They're doing a lot of great stuff, and if you want to learn more about them, you can go to homeless-healthcare.org. The second organization is GLAD, which stands for the GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders. Since 1978, they have worked in litigation and achieved a bunch of precedent-setting victories on behalf of the LGBTQ community and those living with HIV. By arguing cases and tackling issues, they have gotten rid of a bunch of outdated laws and stereotypes that have denied LGBTQ people and people living with HIV basic protections, and it's given them opportunities in every area of daily life. If you go to their website, glad.org, you can see a lot of the cases that they have worked on, but it covers a wide range of topics from school communities embracing transgender teachers to lesbian couples being able to get married in a very red conservative state to a Ugandan activist getting asylum in the United States. So they have a lot of different things that they do. They're helping a lot of different people. And again, their website is glad.org. And finally, we have 350. Their website is 350.org. And what 350 is, is they are an international movement of ordinary people working to end the age of fossil fuels and build a world of community-led renewable energy for all. They do this by trying to establish a fast and just transition to 100% renewable energy, and they fight to make sure that funding is not going towards dirty energy. What I appreciate about 350 is that they are doing things on the local level, at the ground level, with lots of people involved, and they realize that the climate crisis is not just environmental. It is a social justice issue and an economic issue and an environmental issue all rolled up into one. I really appreciate their approach to the climate crisis, and if you want to learn more about what they are doing, you can go to 350.org. So those are the organizations that we are supporting. I'm so happy to support these organizations with all of your help. And if you want to learn more about the Raffled Prince and how it all works, just go to potterlesspodcast.com slash raffled prince. And also, I'd just like to thank the newest members of our team over at patreon.com slash potterless who are supporting the show and keeping it going. So shout out to Leif Audrey, Patrick Zagetti, Bernadette, Valia Nadova, Stephanie Ventura, and the return of Kristen Lagrange. And shout out to Rachna Sira who upgraded their pledge. And of course, a huge shout out to our producer level patrons, Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clown, Marchismo, Juan, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Zachary, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zina, Hardlin, Noelia, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Maya, Flor, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marcos, Marik, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Peter, Jan, and Callahan, Leah, Bella, Melanie, Becca, Rees, Adam, Joseph, Madison, Tonks, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey, Ricky, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Miranda, 
Amanda, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Lior, Demi, Michelle, Henrique, Casey, Megan, Sat, Jack, Sophia, Dane, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Daddykins, Gregory, Kaka, Nina, Ribbon, Brittany, Gavin, Jack, Serenity, Emily, Haley, Sabrina, Jenna, Laura, Gila, Eileen, Annette, Kirsten, Hufflepuff, Brett, Mary, Artemis, Trans People are People, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Taylor, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Tony, Joe, Punkfish, Wire Warrior, Catherine, Joe, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never let their email inbox get past the point of no return. They've got everything nice and clean and they don't lose important emails in their inbox. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content like director's commentary, bonus episodes, my notes, exclusive merchandise, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 165 of Potterless, another very special Puffs interview, this time with some cast members from Puffs, AJ Diddy, Julianne Earls, Langston Belton, and Zach Moon. internet and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult and then he saw Puffs in person and digitally and now he's going above and beyond and talking to the people involved in the show. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man and I'm here joined today by four very special humans that you might recognize from Puffs. It is the trio as well as the narrator. So it's AJ Diddy, Julianne Earls, Langston Belton, and Zach Moon. Everyone, how's it going? So good. It's going good. Thanks, good to see you. Good to see you. Good to hear Thank you for having you. us. Nice to meet Glad you. Glad to be here. Thank you for coming along. So this is one of two interview segments I've done with actors in Puffs. And you four are the people who, unlike the rest of the cast, pretty much just play one role throughout it. Whereas Everyone else seems to play, I think, between 90 and 2,000 roles on average, I believe. I believe that's the average, yes. Okay, great, great, great. That's good to know. So I guess just the first question off the top, in a play where everyone else has so many different roles and is constantly changing and is costume changing and hair changing and all of that stuff, what is it like for each of you to be the, the rarity in that you have this one character and what do you think makes that? special or different or is there anything different preparation wise that you do versus the other actors? Um, Well, I think that as we were developing the show, I think that the audience needs to go on a journey with our, I mean, they're going on a journey with everyone, but because we are consistent through all the seven years uh, in terms of building the character, I really have to think about what is Megan like as an 11-year-old? What's Megan like as a 12-year-old? What's Megan like as a 13-year-old? So that we can kind of see that arc happen within 90-ish minutes, which I think is a, a fun part as being an audience member like whoa i saw this person grow up in in 90-ish minutes and i also think that zach had like the most costume changes out of everyone or at least his quick changes were very ferocious uh backstage <laughs> because he had to get into different year shirts very very quickly steve stout once described uh the narrator is sort of the dr manhattan of puffs in that uh <laughs> a clock ticks and it's 1956 a clock ticks and it's 2050 like i feel like the the weird thing about the narrator is that i uh got to stand sort of outside of the show and become this sort of interesting guest track me and uh the cedric track had a lot of like free time off stage basically it was a lot of me watching other people do like these very like highly choreographed quick changes and uh i would stand in the corner like just picking up rolos and putting them into my pocket before (laughs) entering So to help the listener at home, I'm going to do a thing where I ask people individual questions and then it's very clear whose voice is what name and what role you played. So first, I'll go with Langston. Langston, you play the role of Oliver Rivers, which I just love the role. And what I love about it is that you have someone who is 
incredibly gifted at something, but unfortunately it is not the situation that they've been put into. So it feels like you would be the Hermione comparison, but then at the same time, Hermione's incredible at magic and Oliver has no idea what he's doing. So for for you to play that role, was there anything particular that goes into being someone that is so competent at one thing, but it's not relevant and Oliver has all of this frustration? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's the, you hit the nail on the head. It's just the frustration of uh, not knowing really what's going on just to kind of like, you know, throwing darts at the board to see what sticks. And that's kind of interesting just because, again, like, you know, being so smart at math and having it all of a sudden like not mean anything, I can imagine it's very tough for a young mathematician. It's Yeah, it's just his frustration of not really knowing what to do and being thrust, of course, also into this world of wizards and houses and threats and dangers. It's managing all of that at the same time that lends itself to the freneticness of the character. And of all, of course, like, you know, reaching out and making these friends and trying to figure out where he fits in, in the house he's been sorted into. Yeah, definitely. Zach, on a different note, you play the role of Wayne, which is kind of like the the puff Harry, but then when you look at it, he's the opposite of Harry in so many different ways where Wayne wants all of the fame and glory, but it doesn't happen. Harry tries to run away with it and has to deal with it. To be in a role where you're like, oh, it's the Harry Potter comparison, but then on the same time, you are absolutely diametrically opposed to Harry Potter. What is it like toying those two things where like you're in a role, but the character is not the same at all? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because like then Wayne becomes the point in for everyone watching, like because so many more of us can relate to that side than to actually being the chosen one. (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I don't think any of us are going to be that in any way, shape, or form. Wait, what? Did you just say I'm not the chosen There's one? still time, Zach. There's still time. It's 2020. Anything can happen. <laughs> but I think that it's, you know, it's a, it's a good lesson to learn how to cope with that and still, like, celebrate all of your flaws and celebrate where you are, even if it's not where you thought you were going to end up. So I think that's the, the cool thing about it and what makes it so accessible and and relatable. Yeah, definitely. And Julianne, as Megan, you play someone that goes through so many different phases of her life where each year she has a new thing, like this year I'm into books and stuff like that, but then also is is constantly feeling like she doesn't fit in, whether it's with the Puffs or with her family. Is that something that you felt like I've definitely felt that as a kid? I feel like most of us have. Is that something you you pulled on where it's just like at that age where people are so, I don't know, susceptible and and want to fit in and stuff. It's something I didn't think happened in the books as much, but to happen in Puffs, I think, is really charming. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I would get asked a lot, like, were you kind of a rebel when you were growing up? Were you gothy or punk or whatever? And I I actually wasn't. I was super straight-laced, straight-A kind of kid growing up. But what I can relate to Especially, And that's what's so exciting about this play growing and being a part of the, the greater world is that now young girls can play Megan. And I think that what's so awesome about that character is that the message is that, like, especially for young women, it's that you can be whoever you want to be. Like, you don't need to be pigeonholed. I think when I was growing up, I was like, there were girls that I'd go to school with that that were scared to be smart because they thought boys wouldn't like them. Like, things like that. Like, I need to be pretty or I need to be this. And I think what's great about Megan is that she is who she is. And it's a little bit, uh, you know, 
edgy and alternative, but in the inside, she has a, a puff little golden heart. And so, <laughs> you know, we're all we're all a mixed bag. And um, and I think in that way, it shows an interesting light in terms of the houses and in, in, in Harry Potter. I think she's trying to fit into what she thinks these things are, but none of us are exactly whatever those things are ever, ever. Yeah. And AJ, as the narrator, you already touched on being, I love saying the Dr. Manhattan of the play, but I think one of the most impressive things that the narrator does is that you have these two versions of the narrator where one, you are incredibly out in the open. You're at the center of the stage. You are directing everything. You're the main focus of it. But then at the same time, you have scenes where the narrator is just in the background and is either facilitating magic. There's the part where Wayne is trying to do ASIO book and you're just standing there waiting to toss the book. So how how do you go from being, hello, it's me, the biggest person that everyone is looking at to now I'm in the background and I'm just like letting other things happen. It feels like a really hard thing to juggle between. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's actually goes back to my um, philosophy sort of about acting in general is that um, it's not really ever about me uh when i'm on stage it's about what what best serves the story and one of my favorite things on the planet to do um is to specifically bolster this group of humans uh and make them look good as good as possible <laughs> tough job tough job as good as possible like <laughs> here we go no no uh. a lot like to, to, to make them their best and I, they don't really need a lot of my help but anything that i can do to like um show them off because i just think that they're like the most talented group of people uh in the world and i love them to death but um i think the the coolest thing about the narrator is that he's kind of like actors secret the part um, because there's a lot of stuff that I could do hiding in plain sight, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Throughout the show, um, one of the cool parts about being able to step back and watch is, be, you know, if you imagine him as a character, he's watching his parents grow up and i think that's one of like one of the big appeals like the back to the future movies is like you know would you and your parents be friends if you were both teenagers at the same time and so to be able to as the narrator to watch them grow up and to see like how fallible they were and how human they were and also like to see like the little mannerisms that he has that they also exhibited when they were kids there's a couple of times in the show where i would watch julian langston and i would see little like physical things that they would do on stage and then I would incorporate that into the character but only when he wasn't uh, performing uh, for the audience like when he was just standing back and watching to like bring out those little ticks and stuff to give the audience you know if any of them happened to glance over a clue as to who as to what my identity was uh, by the end of the play but uh, some of my favorite moments on stage were actually standing back and getting to watch these wonderful nerds uh, work their magic (laughs) that's really cool now Julianne, you talked about not really being into goth stuff, but for Langston and Zach, I guess, Langston, as Oliver being obsessed with math, are you, were you also big into math, or was that something that you had to completely fabricate your love for? Uh, no, I hate math with a burning passion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like math at all. It was my worst subject in school. But it's a fun thing to pretend to be good at because it is, like, an important facet, and, like, it is baseball like science so it's like yeah no i had to fabricate my, that love for math shout out to everyone out there that does love math because it is it is helpful it does work when you know when you're good at it your life is a little bit easier but um i'm not thus so no sadly i'm not if 
Oliver was to nerd out about something that you were nerdy about, would, would there be a particular subject? Like, were you a big history buff, big English guy, anything? No, I hated school in general. Ooh. All the subjects from <laughs> top to bottom. I was like, why am I sitting here learning about the Ottoman Empire? It was driving me, it used to drive me nuts. Unless there was something like I was interested in, like, you know, like something in history or something like that. So I think he'd like nerd out from me. I think he'd nerd out about like medieval armors. Ooh. Like he'd walk around the castle being like, who is this? Then there'd be like a ghost inside of it. And it's like, I don't want to do this anymore because all the armors have something. Everything has something inside of it that's alive. Or everything is alive. I think it could work where Oliver has gone to a medieval times. I'm pretty sure there's a medieval times oh, in yeah, New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, it's New Jersey. Yeah, there is. We've we've been to medieval times. The the puffs we went, we took a field trip, full on field trip yes. to medieval times. So we did get to live. We had that. a party bus and everything. It was we did. It was great. It was a perfect payoff for a very long running bit, but it was God. It was so much fun. So what do you want to get a party bus for, really? Zach, as Wayne was that '90s nostalgia love for all of the the time related things that he was obsessed with pop culture wise. Is that something? you have a love for or was that also fabricated your love of Die Hard, etc i mean that that stuff was pretty real i think it also like stems from you know wayne sort of being an extension of matt to a degree and like we've been friends and we're very similar in that way and like growing up with star wars and all that stuff like pokemon at the time and all that jazz i think that that part of it wasn't hard to like get that nostalgia bug going and be like oh remember those <laughs> those fun things so <laughs> once once we started integrating more of those it it, it definitely felt once we like placed it in the 90s, I mean, we always work. That's like canon, but it's not really touched on in the books or movies. So it was really fun to like get to explore that aspect of it. No, it really isn't. It's hard to remember that the books and the movies take place in the 90s just because it very rarely comes up aside from like Dudley has a PlayStation yeah. and that's about <laughs> it. So I love that Puffs grounds it in the the 90s very much so and isn't afraid of it so i guess just going back to how all well you got involved from talking with matt it seemed like he had worked with all of you before and for a lot of the case with the different actors they were not necessarily auditioning for the role but kind of naturally gravitated towards a role after working with matt was that the case for all of you or how did you all come to be a part of puffs uh some of us have worked with matt back at a, a different theater um like he and I had joined that company at the same time in the same show and, and became friends then. You know, I think it was like at a bar one day when he came up to me and he was like, hey, I'm writing this new thing. I think I want you to be the lead. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. Can you like romanticize it a little bit more, Zach? <laughs> sometimes it's not how it goes. <laughs> it's sometimes your story is not the story you thought it was going to be. Oh, there it is. I will say that it's, it is actually very weird because my story with Puffs also begins in a bar. And uh, it was actually at a bar with Zach Moon because I had just gotten off of a stint on a cruise ship um, where I uh, contracted a, an acute form of sea madness, which is a very real disease, apparently. Oh, um, no. Yeah. Uh, but uh, basically, I was uh, I, I had while in that state, I had written a couple of ideas for plays that I wanted to work on when I got off the ship, sort of like a light at the end of the tunnel thing. And uh, I had written down that I wanted to write a serialized play, uh, and I would call it The Puff, uh, and it would be about that house at that certain magic school. And when I got off the boat, uh, Zach and I went to uh, see Age of Ultron at the Williamsburg uh, <laughs> Cinema together. And he was the first person I had seen since getting off the ship, so I took him out to a bar afterwards, and I basically screamed at him for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was screaming, but I was screaming. And uh, I said at the end, um, but, you know, everything's going to be all right now because I have this idea for the serial and I really I want you to be the lead of it. It's called The Puff. And Zach said, what are you talking about? 
talking about? And I said, it's, yeah, it's going to be really great. We're going to follow, you know, all seven years. And he said, have you talked to Matt? And I said, no. And he's like, well, (laughs) he's written that. And I think he wants you to be in it. And the next (laughs) morning, I got an email from Matt inviting me to do the first reading of Puffs. And I am so glad that Matt wrote it and I did not because uh, I could never have written, I don't think, uh, something as good as what he eventually ended up on. Yeah, I uh, I had the lucky fortune of meeting all these folks. I was uh, in still perform with the People's Improv Theater uh, in New York, and I was doing, uh, they were bringing in another show that Matt had written, Kapawi Gogo. And uh, it's such a long show. It is a like a serialized show. So they were pairing each hour of the show with uh, an improv group of some type of nerdy facet or something that like that would be in that vein, like under that whole umbrella of like nerddom and fandom and stuff like that. And uh, myself and Nick Carrillo, who is uh, Zach Smith and of course Jay Finch, he and I and our friend Devin were in a three-person improv group called Gus. Through that, we met Matt and started hanging out with everybody and met everybody. And then eventually I had the lucky fortune to join the cast of Kapawi Gogo when they did it again. And then eventually Matt was like, hey, um, essentially what happens, it's like, like not funny, you mentioned Age of Ultron. He was like, he was assembling a team of like going to each person being like, I want to talk to you about the show that I wrote and I want you to be in. And we were like, oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, went to that that first reading and then met everyone and the rest, as they say, is is history. Yes. Speaking of Kapawi Gogo and all that. Uh, so, yeah, I met Matt at the Flea Theater kind of in true puff form. Matt was one of the nicest people. Like I was a 24 year old, just moved to New York City. I was in this crazy production. He was one of the first people to come up and say hello and be super friendly. And so we were friends. And then he, he did Kapawi Gogo. And I remember seeing it thinking, oh, my God, like this looks like so much fun. I would love to be a part of this crew. Basically, if you don't know anything about Kapawi Gogo, it's like when they were doing it on stage, they had duct tape swords and the whole audience was freaking losing their minds over these duct tape swords and they were totally invested in the theater magic that it was. And then um, a couple months down the line, Matt was like, I'm working on something else and I'd love for you to read as Megan. You know, I guess, I don't know, maybe this is how Matt works. It's like after we read for, he's like, all right, you got the part. It's your part. You're with it forever. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was with it um, ever since. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's really fun to hear. Now, there's a couple things that are very niche, but I I need to know about. So the first, AJ, my favorite joke in the whole play is when you do book five and it's the dictionary painted yellow Mm -hmm. uh, for how long the book is. And then you toss it off stage, which makes me beg the question. I feel like you do a lot of tossing of objects yes. throughout the play. Yes. Was there ever a time where something went horribly wrong? You hit someone in the face. Like it feels like with the amount of tossing you do per show, yeah. the risk is high. Yes. Here's here is what I will say about that. I only missed throwing the book once and it was at the pit and it was uh the toss to Cedric. Uh I didn't throw it hard enough. Um mm. and it landed on the floor. And it was so deflating because it was, you know, that's supposed to be like a really cool moment, like to show like Cedric off and for to like miss the book sort of derailed that whole scene, uh, unfortunately. But everything else actually was pretty good. I mean, we controlled it so that the, the tosses themselves weren't necessarily like difficult ones. The hardest one was the Cedric one. That book toss with the with year five was like literally like a couple feet apart. 
uh, from the person I was throwing it to. It wasn't too, too terrible. But yeah, props, that entire moment, props designed to the props designer, uh, Madeline Bundy, who uh, designed, I think, the funniest prop book I've ever seen. It was so, the, the great thing that I remember about that book is that it was very light. Like, it looked very heavy, but it was super, super light. Um, and uh, the backstage ASM who caught the book uh, would always get to put their own spin on the sound that would be made when uh, they oh, caught nice. the book. Um, and we had a lot of oofs. And then one time, one time uh, our ASM uh, screamed, why? When, <laughs> when they got hit. And it was, it was truly one of, I, I broke entirely on stage. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, Julianne, with Megan, you have, I think, the most intense eye makeup of all time. Uh, how many h- how many hours would it take to get that off? Because it oh feels... God. I wore eyeliner one time for an 80s party, and it took me embarrassingly long to remove it. I cannot imagine doing that every night for however many nights you did it. First of all, right question, because so often it's like, how long did it take to put on? I'm like, no, no, no. that's not, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, 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 no, no. The worst part of it was taking it off. Like my poor skin, I'm like, like tearing my eyeballs out. It would take a good 30. And that was always so kind of um, <laughs> the annoying part after the show, because if it isn't clear, like we're all really good friends and we all like to hang out. So Everyone's like, you know, the boys just take off their costume and they're already like, all right, let's play Mario Kart or let's, you know, go go to the bar. And I'm still there. I'm like, uh, guys, I'm still working on it. Um, Bleeding from her face. Uh. Bleeding from my face. Still have like vaguely gray all over my eyes. Um, so I would say at least, at least like 20 minutes of scrubbing. Mm, nice. Yeah, it, it seems like it. It also seems like the worst situation of if you had something after a show, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to a bar with some friends. And then it's like, ah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. D- d- didn't come out looking glamorous, that's for sure. Ah, yes, past Julianne. Glitz and glamour, things that I, editing Mike, am very familiar with because I'm very fancy. Now, let's take a little bit of a break into what is probably the fanciest segment of this podcast, which we like to call Wingardium Edredosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Tab for a Cause. Look, we can't all be Harry Potter. Our contribution to society can't be as significant as defeating the most evil being in the history of existence. Instead, we try to help out in the little ways. And one way that you can help out in an incredibly easy manner is by installing Tab for a Cause into your browser. If you go to tabforacause.org slash Potterless, you can install this into your browser and you can raise money for charity in the easiest way possible. Every time you open a tab, you raise money for charity. Think about how many tabs you open a day. It's probably a lot. If you're a garbage person like me, it's a ton. And now you've turned that garbage into money for charity. That's the best kind of recycling imaginable. So you go to tab4acause.org slash Potterless. That's T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E dot org slash Potterless. You install it. It just takes a couple of clicks. Every time you open a tab, you'll get a picture of a nice serene background. You can add widgets and stuff. You'll see a couple of ads, but those ads are what raise money for charity. Then every time you open a tab, you get a heart and you can take those hearts and decide what charity Charities get the support. There's wonderful charities to choose from. They do timely pushes when there's certain events going on in the world. It's wonderful. And again, you can raise money for charity in the easiest way possible that I could ever think of by going to tabforacause.org slash Potterless today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. 
This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterless. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So I think something fun about the play and being able to talk with everyone behind it is that it seems like it's grown so much in that started at the pit, it moved on to the Electro Theater, then you're at the New World stages, it gets recorded. And from the talks I've had with the rest of the cast, it just seems like there's so many things that changed along the way. So for all of you, from those different upgrades, was there anything significant that happened just in your character in terms of anything going all the way from table read to full on production? What are what are some of the fun changes along the way. Well, what was so cool was that when we were at the pit, we ran for nine months. And when we say ran for nine months, we basically took whatever slot was available to us. So it was a Tuesday at 8 p.m., a Saturday at 11 p.m., a Thursday. Like, nights. It, it, it was all <laughs> over the place. And it was kind of our little um, think tank, like, uh, Ugh, I can't think of the word, but basically... We- it was the way to refine the show and and try out new things. Yes. Um, and so, you know, the script, we would have little line changes for each show and try different things. And for Megan and Xavier in the pit, uh, Xavier used to die. Also, in terms of uh, the ball, I used to come out in a dress. And then and then Maddie was like, ah, I don't think so for Megan. Let's try something else. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's probably more, more right. Yeah, I would say those were the major... 
The scary spider? Major changes. Yeah, there used to be a scary spider bit. So many bits that, you know, we thought were hilarious. And then we try them. We're like, oh, no one else thought that was funny except us. <laughs> and then also, like, Matt, kind of in terms of uh, Megan trying on the different houses and things, that was also more refined as the show went along. Because, um, you know, it was like, how do we f- how do we really flesh out these th- this trio and, and their specific journeys? And that was a part of Megan's journey to flesh out. Uh, how many versions of the Free Willy monologue did you learn, Zach, over the course of this run? That's what I was going to say. I think that was the thing that changed the most for me was that one Free Willy monologue. I think I probably had a hundred versions of it, more or less. I think there was one rehearsal where Matt would type something and just hand me the computer to hear me say mm-hmm. it. And then I would hand it back and he was like, no, no, no. Okay, retype. Here, okay, learn this one real fast. And also, like the, even the, the t-shirt changes didn't come until New World Stages just because of the setup there and... Maddie and I were talking and she was like, do you have time in between years to change shirts? I was like, I hate to say it, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to take a break right there, but okay. Yeah. Your one breather in the show is, is what? Like the end? (laughs) Oh, the bathtub. That's, that's what it is. I was like, there's one moment in the show where Zach can take a breath and it's that. And a bath. He takes a bath with the bath. (laughs) (laughs) Quick bath. Uh, I used to play one other character in the show that I believe is a canon character named Heingist of Woodcroft. <laughs> I was supposed to be like a moving portrait, and Megan uh, would run into me in the hallway uh, where she would be kidnapped by Xavier. Well, I did it the entire Electra run, and then Matt took me aside and said, listen, when we move to New World, we're going to cut Heingist. Know that it's not you. It's just... It's me. It's, it's me. Uh, and then he left and I never saw him again and all of his stuff was out of my apartment. And so for that last week, he let me do whatever I wanted with it. And before he was just, Heingist of Woodcroft, hello! Like very... Um, it was very jarring because that's the only role I played besides, uh, I guess, the dog. Um, the dog puppet. But uh, Julie walked on stage and said, meet me by the portrait of Heingist of Woodcroft. And I did not warn her that I was a trying a new voice that night. Mm. And so she said, by Heingist, and I went, Heingist of Woodcraft, hello! And she walked off stage. She did not finish the scene. She just went, nope, and booked it off stage. And so Ellie came on stage to kidnap her, and there was no one there. So she just had to yell her line, off stage, pretending that Megan was just, I guess, behind the curtain and do the whole rest of the scene. But also, she really couldn't keep it together and also walked off stage. And I, this is just a long way of saying, um, warn your cast members if you're going to try something <laughs> that extreme in a very serious scene. So for the three of you as the as the main trio, I think something that's especially interesting about your specific roles versus some of the other roles is that some of the other characters are ones that were mentioned in the canon books, and then you get to expand upon it. So, like, yeah, Ernie Mac is mentioned, but we don't know anything about him except for, like, his brief cameo roles. But for the three of you, you're playing completely new characters that don't have any sort of source material. So when it comes down to picking your characters' ticks and the way they speak and the way they act, what is it like to draw inspiration when it's completely original versus, like, oh, I've seen what McGonagall sounds like in the movies? As, as an actor working on any play you kind of take what you've been given, right? And in terms of what Matt had written, Megan was part of a Puff legacy family. And so I kind of had to think, like, what would that be like? Like, what do we see of that in terms of the books? We, You know, we get the Malfoys, we get uh, Weasley and all that. 
Um, it's I can say these things now, right? Right, y'all? Uh, yes, you're not going to get sued on the podcast. Or at okay. least I haven't. And I'm like 160 episodes in, so I think I'm okay. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but I do, love, I do love how every call I've had, everyone has been in like strict Warner Brothers fear mode. And I love it. <laughs> That's what's funny about the play is that like, Part of that was like tiptoeing around it, but like the comedy also comes from that, you know, that like, you know, we never explicitly say these things. But as us as actors, in terms of talking about the show, for the, all this time, we still, I still like, I'm clenching, I'm clenching my butt as I talk about these things. <laughs> um, so, anyway, um, <laughs> you know, all we see are like the Malfoys and, and the Weasleys in terms of these uh, families that have a long legacy in terms of um, the houses. And so I had to kind of imagine what that would be like for Megan and her mom wasn't there. So like, what was that? And then her coming into school, like she's never had friends. So what was that like for her? Like, I just kind of had to build off of what Matt had already set up and 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 pepper it or uh, put it through the filter of what we know from the book. Yeah, I felt like I had it maybe the easiest just because like Wayne is so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It is like accessing him was kind of like being like, what would it be like? going into that world and being like, whoa, this is amazing. <laughs> so for me, it was it was like such a similar experience to what I had growing up and like accessing the books and movies and like diving into the world and just being like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> and like really ready to embrace it all, mm-hmm. however naive that may be. Yeah, I think uh, there's the, the overall, like the logical apprehension of what you're about to get into when you get this ridiculous invitation to this ridiculous school. And especially because Oliver had other plans, it is that thing of like in the beginning, it's more just like trying to figure out how it works, I guess, which is fun. I guess what you do when you like just figuring out the ins and outs. You learn a lot when the door is slammed in every avenue. (laughs) The overall, yeah, the overall feeling, that logical apprehension that Oliver feels all the time of what is happening and what the rules are and stuff like that. We know we know a little bit about like where Oliver comes from, and so that's kind of fun to like kind of like fill in the blanks in your own head of like you know where in New Jersey and you know what might his parents be like? Did he have to say goodbye to his friends? We have been you know so that's all fun stuff to think about and kind of imagine and stuff like that. So yeah, I loved the details of you guys what you would do over your summer breaks, like the little mini arc of uh, Megan getting a mixtape from Oliver Walkman. and listening to it yeah. oh, on her Walkman. Yeah, but yeah, no, I was always so impressed by like the intense backstories that you you guys had created for these characters. Yeah. One of the fun things I learned about Oliver's being from New Jersey is that in the script, it's just like a stand-in role of wherever he's from, it's just like neighboring town that people will laugh at. And I'm born and raised in New Jersey, so at <gasps> first I was offended, but, uh, oh, where are you from? <laughs> Paramus, New Jersey. I'm actually okay. recording from Paramus, New Jersey right now. Amazing. I'm from Robbinsville, tiny little town in between Trenton and Princeton, so oh. like right in the middle in Mercer County. Got you, got so, you. So when he said New Jersey, I was like, hey, oh no, but it's okay. I, I will always take a New Jersey joke. Uh, Langston, were you... Through the entirety of the run, were you always from New Jersey or were there other times if you did a show either somewhere else or you switch it up? Like, did you ever pick a different neighboring town? Oh, no, it was it was just the line was he's from New Jersey. OK, I guess I could say he was from the Bronx. Like I'm from the Bronx, but uh, I never saw an owl. And I don't think they were sending letters through radiators. So <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that re- it wasn't really reaching us. Yeah, no, Jersey, Jersey always made the most sense. Did it did it always get a laugh, or was there any time where like people were were sometimes us New Jersey folk can get upset? Sometimes people just looked at me and they were like, now we know that. 
<laughs> no, we know that about all of them. Sometimes I'd be like, I'm from New Jersey. And they go like, mm, everyone has to be from somewhere. It's like, <laughs> just look at me and go, that it? Uh, a state. Yes, yeah, that's state. one of them. New Jersey, that's one I've of heard the 50. Of it. <laughs> I remember we had a group from Jersey once. It was like, a, like a, I think it was like a bachelorette party all came to see Puffs. Oh. And uh, he said, no, New Jersey. And the crowd went, yeah! And like literally like burst into flames. Yeah, we we love to get made fun of. Like we're okay with being the butt of the joke because at least at least people recognize us and make fun of us as opposed to like New Hampshire, which no one knows anything about. Like they're there, but like I couldn't tell you one thing about them. <laughs> so at least we've got something and we're made fun of. Gotta go up to the lakes re- region. You gotta visit Lake Winnipesaukee. You know, they filmed what about Bob All right, up AJ, there? AJ, uh, stop. Okay, look. Stop. I'm sorry, I'm just saying you're, you're, you're disproving his point. AJ. The uh, the idyllic <laughs> drive through oh manchester will make you weep with joy sorry about that <laughs> uh oh it's really good it's i love it no i love it i've been watching the west wing recently and and bartlett is former governor of new hampshire and they take a lot of new hampshire digs where like the top tourism attraction is watching the leaves turn and i just got to the episode where they do a flashback of they come up with a new new hampshire slogan and it's new hampshire it's what's new so <laughs> i like the uh, personal vendetta against new hampshire that apparently aaron sorkin seems to have <laughs> Wait, there, there's a New Hampshire? Boo, AJ, boo. Boo, <laughs> boo you! Oh, gosh, I absolutely love it. So uh, as far as just just being in the play, being in Puffs, and now, and now seeing it grow into thing that was a show where originally you had like a two-week run and then it became nine months at the pit and then it became a show and now it's, and now it's something where people can purchase the rights and like high schools can put this on. For all of you, what is it like to be in something that started as like, oh, this will be a fun show that I do for two weeks of my life into, oh, wow, eight-year-old girl is now playing Megan in her middle school's rendition. Like, what is it like for you all to be in something that started so silly and has become so much bigger it's even in australia like what the hell (laughs) yeah it's it's really unbelievable i mean it got more unbelievable as it went along you know we going off broadway and then it becoming a film like these were all things that we had you know it flashed across our mind but we were just adults running around in capes at at, in this small theater in new york (laughs) that's how it kind of started But the thing that really shook me was when the show was getting ready to close, we had like a little kind of reunion show thing at the pit where we, I guess maybe it was at the reading of, uh, you know, Matt's also done kind of like sequel plays and stuff in the Puffs universe. And so we were doing Puffs 3, I think. Puffs, I believe it's pronounced Puffs. Thank you, AJ. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And so he at the end was saying that the show is being done at the time was being done in 80 schools and communities across the U.S. and Canada. Wow. And that's when I really, it really shook me. Like, that's when I was like, never in my freaking wildest dreams. Like, and I've said this before, like, Puffs will always be an incredible part of my life because it's so unique. Like, even when we were doing the show and people were coming cosplaying as our characters, I'm like, I could play Hamlet on Broadway, but no one's coming to see Hamlet cosplaying as Hamlet, you know? (laughs) But people are coming cosplaying as Megan. Like, that is the coolest thing. And again, like, I'm so grateful that now there's this part for young for any young child to play Megan, uh, I'll keep it open, is so exciting because I think Megan's really, really cool. Uh, and what a great opportunity. More than, you know, I don't know, the general 
AJ, you're going to hate me. Like, you know, the general, like, crucible stuff we got going out there. <laughs> AJ loves the crucible. Oh, I hate hey, the crucible, okay, so on, I'm on your team. On. <laughs> the crucible is very, I think it's very problematic. I think it's well constructed, but I mean, it's not, I used to be a diehard stand for it, but I, I'm not. Uh, I played John Proctor in college, and it, the moment that you realize that John Proctor is the villain of that play is really kind of an eye-opening experience. But um, yeah, no, that that final, that puffs that that perfs reading that we all did was really um they they made a whole video about this montage of people doing the opening speech oh, cool. uh of the narrator but it was just a whole bunch of different narrators doing it and they were all so different and also wonderful and lovely and i think the coolest thing about puffs is how adaptable it is and how it creates this amazing sense of community among the companies that put it on. You see a lot of images of like people who did the show like a year or so ago who are doing like who are reuniting just to read the play over Zoom with each other just because, you know, they miss each other so much. And I think it is because the puffs are so good and kind and pure at the center of them that it brings out those aspects in people. I know personally for me, I am a much kinder and more empathetic human for having done this show. It really reinforces how important kindness and loyalty is as character traits in a way that when I, you know, when I first read the books, uh, I'm a smart, I was sorted into the smarts. And you sort of, you, you know, we like to sit in our tower and create weird little like Rube Goldberg machines out of magic <laughs> and uh, don't really like to interact that much, you know, with the outside world. But getting the chance to inhabit a puff and knowing that it's okay if you mess up sometimes, um, but that, you know, the most important thing is to be kind and polite, like, you know, our friend Paddington would say. <laughs> this play is 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 so good at opening up those parts of yourself that you might not even know exist. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it's such a, like, on what AJ said, like, this show celebrates everyone's weird in a, in a special kind of way that, like, allows everyone to, like, be their unique selves. And I think the play is open-ended enough because the characters aren't well known that anyone can bring their version of Ernie Mac to it or like their version of Jay Finch and like seeing what that's done to people all over the country and all over the world is really special and like heartwarming and like some people that have to try and conform to a box or like fit into something that you're not I think is one of the things that makes the play really special yeah that's really great what a fun, wholesome, heartwarming note to to end this little interview on. So thank you all so much for taking the time. This is great to talk about the play and your process and all of that. And I've been talking with the other people in the play, and they've been mentioning things you have going on right now, such as the choosical. I don't know if you're all involved in in that, but the if, guy choice if there's play. anything, yeah, if there's anything you guys would like to to promote for the people to go check out, if they want to see you doing non-puff-related stuff, let them know. Langston is the guy choiceman. Oh, the titular choiceman. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing show. I mean, it's another one of Matt's mad creations. I always say, like, it's very interesting that Matt has a a group of people that if he asks you to do anything, it's like, it's just a matter of I'll just find I'll just clear my schedule so I can do the thing you're asking me to do. Like there's no there's no hesitation when it's like Matt it's like I want you to do this thing. It's like all right yeah I mean yeah I mean yeah, I mean, yeah we'll, we'll do it. Uh, easiest heist crew to assemble in history. It's just like yeah of course we'll do it. Yeah what are we stealing? The sun? Ah, <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. uh, Matt will Matt will work it out. Matt will work it out. Matt will find a way to. He'll write, and it'll all make sense in the end. Uh, but yeah, Guy Traceman, uh, the choosical where you do the chooses is uh, it's streaming. You go to mattcoxland.com. That's M A T T C O X land.com. 
for tickets and showtimes. And it's this amazing choose-your-own-adventure show where you get to actively make choices for guy choicemen. And some of these choices range from the very mundane to the very dark and bad and some it's it's incredible and it's uh the show really is based on whoever's watching it and whoever you're watching it with you vote live with another audience that's elsewhere in the universe and you're all like seeing your votes tally at the same time so it's really really cool so uh yeah check that out because uh, we're all and then everyone of course uh talk about celebrating your weird matt always finds a way to write shows where everybody gets to not only you know say these awesome things that he writes but gets to inject their own creativity into everything and that which came through in puffs like there's so many things in puffs there's so many small things that are us and ourselves and guy choiceman has a lot of that because it's all filmed in our homes mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's 90 percent us and what people have lying about uh i will say julianne earl's backdrop extraordinaire yeah there's a couple of there's a couple there's a couple of shots that uh, my friend was like yo who was uh who who uh, no spoil no spoilies uh who yo who was yo who was Linda like, Linda was like Linda looked like she was in a real place Linda, and I was like Linda Linda yeah I mean it was I, Matt made made my backdrop something else but all I'll say is uh you know I I, I dug deep into my Jersey roots for Linda so uh, uh enjoy it's a sight to behold I'm very excited I'll be I'll be watching it uh one of the one of the upcoming showings I'm I'm gonna make make it a point to go see it so I'm very excited make good chooses uh, to, yeah I will I will choose to to go and then I'll choose all of the the most embarrassing things possible for for the choicemen so great that's what we <laughs> should like to be hear. a good time uh, yeah yeah well all of you thank you so much for joining this was a hoot and a half uh, I appreciate it so much and and hopefully everyone goes and checks out the choicemen choosical where they do all of the chooses and uh, until next time as we close out every episode of the podcast and as the wizards of puffs say all of the time whenever they get in a big meeting and say hi to each other wizard on wizard on wizard on whether you love or hate Percy Weasley, it is impossible to dislike Chris Rankin, the actor who plays Percy Weasley. And if you enjoyed Chris's past guesting on Potterless, you will love Chris Rankin's guesting on Meddling Adults, one of the other podcasts I create. We had the House of Chris Ness. Chris and Ness faced off against each other in an episode of Meddling Adults, trying to solve Scooby-Doo mysteries. One of the two earned money for charity. And you can listen to the episode and find out who won at meddlingadults.com. It was a very good episode. I'm very biased, but it was fantastic. And the podcast is good. Check it out, meddlingadults.com. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert it is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klaus Lopu, Marchismo, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary, Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Alex Consolver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Maya Flor Sake, Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Marco Cepeda, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeal, Kevin Stewart, Jarl Sviven, Peter McGrath, Jan and Rose Daub, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Madison, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeGrave, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kitas, Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Miranda, 
Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Lior Nachum, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Henrika Wolf, Casey Canales, Magan Stempen, Zat, Jack Gitzes, Sophia Leone, Dane Nemcher, Robin Garcia, Chick Parr, Mermaid and her Daddykins, Gregory Hughes, Caw Caw, Mother Feathers, Nina Jazalik, Ribbon Monstrosity, Brittany Harper, Gavin Miller, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Emily Quinlan, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Laura, Gila, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Kirsten R. Cunningham, Hufflepuff alumni, Brett Clausen, Mary Price, Artemis, Transpeopler People, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmitova, Taylor Roberts, Karis Davies, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Tony Joe McHufflepuff, Punkfish, Wire Warrior 4976, Catherine Carolchak, Joe Sander, Hunter Fincham, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash Potterless, twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. And for merch, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, you think of someone who would like it, reach out to them directly or post about it on social media or leave a rating interview. All of those things help. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Wizard on!